So what are you going to tell us, tough guys? My usual. Zero. Nothing. I mean, I'm in the best mood that I reckon I've been in for a, a few months, at least, I think. There's a, there's, a, there's a slight change of feel in Melbourne at the moment. Not necessarily what's coming through the TV networks, not what Dan Andrews, our premier, is telling us, or not what all the sort of bullshit news networks are trying to tell us is happening, but just there's a little bit of a vibe amongst the people that I've noticed, and it's, uh, I feel like we've unleashed the beast a little bit. We've started to see a, a bit more of a sense of what's what the general feel across Victoria is. And man, it's so nice to see. It's just, it's so good to see, uh, how do you put it? When a news network has to fight really hard to try and pretend that what they've been telling you the whole time is true, it's so refreshing because you know that they're fighting against something. There's so many uh, independent journalists out there at the moment who are starting to share the other side of the story that you just never see through mainstream media and man there's just a there's a little bit of a buzz going on down here there's a little bit of pressure on the state government to lift their game because uh, the great man in new south Wales, well the great man currently based on the fact that he's just mixed things up he's shaken things up a little bit i don't know much about him don perite apart from the fact he said hey you know what we're not doing the same plan that we've been doing when it comes to this virus um uh, what do you say when it comes to this virus is leaving us alone and us going back to our business? It's definitely not leaving us alone. I mean, it's there now. We're still doing the vaccinations. We're still talking about it. However, the roadmap that he had for his state to get out of it started to, it's been shaken up. And as a result, coincidentally, the health advice down here in Victoria has changed. People are starting to feel like there's a little bit of weight off their shoulders in a, in a lot of senses. Um, that's just my vibe. Have you guys, have you guys noticed any of that? I feel, I said to a mate the other day, this is the most optimistic I've felt about being in Victoria for a little while. I was starting to get frustrated at the, I'd come up with an image of, of what an Australian was in my head at the moment. It was so different to the way that I'd always views Aussies. I always thought we were, I always thought we were pretty tough, pretty outspoken. We were, we, we won't just put up with authority just talking down to us. And then the last 18 months I've been like, oh shit, okay. So we've just been told to sit in the corner and we've done it so well for for that long. And there's always just been a couple of naughty kids in the class going, get stuffed, I'm not sitting in the corner. And everyone's just taking them as a joke. But now there's a few other kids in the classroom who've started to pipe up and go, you know what, I'm not sitting in the corner anymore either. That's a weird analogy. Um, uh, but it just, it seems easier for me to understand when we go, when we bring it into a classroom analogy, there's a naughty kid in the corner, the rest of the class doing what they're told. That just, it makes a little bit more sense to me, but I'm just so happy. I'm so happy. I hope if you're in Victoria, you're starting to feel a little bit of that pressure ease. I, I hope you're, you're back at work. I hope your work's been understanding. I hope, I don't know. I just, I hope you got as much swagger in your step this week as, as what I do. It's been a, it's been a cool, it's been a cool last few days for me. I think What's helped in a big way as well is is the comedy scenes back up and running for most for most people for for well technically it's supposed to be for vaccinated people but there's also what are you going to do? There's underground gigs going on all over the place. I feel like at the moment Melbourne's like a a 1920s speakeasy bar during the prohibition. <laughs> it doesn't matter how often you tell people not to drink, people who want to drink are going to find out how to do it. They don't care 
whether they have to brew it themselves in the back house of their place and uh, hide it in a hidden cellar. There's going to be ways to do it. In fact, I'm pretty sure the value of alcohol goes up when you start to say you can't do it because all of a sudden the mass production of it starts to diminish from a corporate sense anyway. The big businesses, the Dan Murphys, aren't going to be able to produce it as clearly as what they used to be. So the, the dodgy gangsters, the people like me of the 20s would have started going, you know what, I see a really good business opportunity here. I'm going to open up a bar. We're going to have dancers. It's going to be expensive to come in. But when you come in, man, you're going to enjoy that stuff you're being told you can't have. It adds a little bit of value to it as well. Not only not only in a financial sense, but in terms of like an experience sense, people are there going, man, I feel a bit naughty. I probably shouldn't be here. I'm pretty sure this room's over capacity. We're not supposed to be doing this. But I, there's a sense of camaraderie there. There's a sense of joy that comes with people going, oh, we're a bit naughty. <laughs> we shouldn't be doing this. And yet we are. And yet we are. And it's just, it's beautiful because uh, like this idea of, of Daddy Dan, this this real daddy, hey, we're going to nurture you to your best health government thinking that they have any real control over people who understand the freedom that comes in their lives they're like no no it's just it's just not going to happen so i was out at a gig on on or maybe i was maybe i wasn't this could just be all hyperbole this could just be a pretend story made up okay so don't take it too seriously but let's just for the sake of for the sake of this story let's just say it's a let's just say i was at a gig on friday night a uh, little underground gig uh, in and around in or near melbourne Man, it was it was incredible. There would have been, I reckon, there was hundred and fifty people at this gig. It's it's awesome as well. You get there. I'm not going to tell you where it is because uh, then I'm going to get in trouble. If all of you guys rock up next week, they're going to go Tyus. The rule is you can't just invite everyone on mass. However, if you message me independently, privately, if you're really interested to find out, you're more than welcome to come if you'd like to come. So I, I got to this place. Maybe I got to this place. It could just be a made up story. All right, this is just a story. I got there on Friday night and uh, you take a secret tunnel, you walk about 50 meters down this secret tunnel, you take a left-hand turn, you go down another short secret tunnel, you go through these big curtains and all of a sudden you're in this, you're in a nice open space, 150 people there, you had, there's no QR codes, all right, they're not there going, excuse me, we need to see your IDs, we need to, have you been double vaccinated? Have you, if you haven't been double vaccinated, you are a leper, you are unwashed, and you cannot enter. There's none of that. It's just people going, hey, you know what? We trust that you're smart enough to make a judgment for yourself. You've heard a lot of information. You've heard what the government's been saying. If you still want to go against that advice and do whatever you want to do, hey, welcome in. So I, I took that welcome with open arms. I went in, and it was just a, it was an environment. People were up and about. There was I was there to do comedy. Uh, we had singers. We had uh, what was there? There was singers. There was uh, like burlesque dancers. We had some comedians, and people were just in the vibe to be there. They were in the right mood to be there. Uh, it was it was awesome as well. What made me so happy? was there were so many people that I was speaking to who were double vaccinated and they're like, you know what, I've got the ability to go back out on the main part of town tonight, but there's just something refreshing about being in a room full of people who are, who are not uh, letting me in based on like my medical status, based on what, my, what my, uh, my gov status in regards to this vaccine says about me. And it was, it was, I had so many conversations with people that I just assumed were a bunch of dickheads. <laughs> you know, when you get into that mindset that, However you see a particular situation is the right way and everyone who sees it a different way is is obviously uh, disabled. Like they don't have the capacity to reason or think for themselves. They obviously can't see it from my high and mighty point of view. So they must be absolute muppets. Well, I was, I was beautifully proven wrong the other day. I had a chat with a couple of blokes and uh, 
one of them in particular, he was like, you know what, I, I couldn't care less whether you're vaccinated. He goes, I'm double, um, but I want to be here with with everyone, all right? My, my attitude towards people hasn't changed to what it has 18 months ago. I was thinking, mate, you're such a nicer person than me. My attitude's changed a lot. I, <laughs> I yeah, I, I got into a little bit of a rhythm there of seeing people who disagreed with me uh, like like they were mentally disabled. But hey, the truth is, that says more about me than it does about these people. I'm pretty sure, in some regards, I'm sure they were. I've spoken to a lot of people, and I'm pretty sure some of them fit into a category of, all right, there's a few issues going on here. But most of all, uh, people, for whatever reason, they just see a situation from a different perspective. And anyway, it was good. I hadn't done comedy. I hadn't done stand-up for about three months. And that three months, it, it felt like a lifetime in a comedy sense because... It's such a creative outlet. It gives you the opportunity to write some comedy, to work on it, to figure out. But but the thing is, when I sit in my room and and like write in my journal or write in my my little joke book about what I think's funny, a lot of a lot of stuff that I think is funny, I say to people, they go, "Tice, that's highly inappropriate." And uh, I can't be hanging around you if you're going to say things like that. <laughs> it's just, it's not as funny to other people as what I, as what it was in my head. So. The, the opportunity to go out there and just talk about a few things that I thought was funny was uh, was awesome. But man, it was rusty. It was a little bit rusty. It's uh, because I felt, I felt so nervous. Like I, I hadn't been up in front of a room for, for so many people. It felt like the first time I'd done comedy again. And like the most important part or one of the most important parts of doing stand up is, is to make sure that, hey, when you get up, you have a strong opener. If you can get people to laugh in that first five seconds, it wins them over a little bit. You relax, the whole audience relaxes, and uh, and you're ready to go. So a little bit of context. This room, 150 people, half the audience was in conversation. They weren't there just to watch stand-up or listen to music. They were there to hang out with their mates, rightly so. So as soon as you get up, you notice, oh, wow, like half this audience or three quarters of this audience doesn't care about the fact that I'm on stage. So to try and say a funny joke to a room like that means that the laughter that you expect to get from 150 people isn't going to be there. Because even if you nail a funny joke, only 25 people are listening. So it looks wrong from your perspective to hear such a silent laugh in such a full room. You go, oh, gee, we're off to a good start. We're off to an interesting start. So I got up on stage nervous my heart was pumping i was like oh my gosh this is this is this is an incredible challenge like i hadn't felt that way i don't think since the first night i did comedy but i got up my opening line it was it was just average i tried to riff off what the mc just said no one got the riff no one got the joke and i was it was like i just copped a i just been punched in the guts you know when you get winded and you're like oh this is going to be hard to recover from this is going to take a few minutes for me to really to really get through what well, it did it took a couple of minutes. It took a couple of minutes. I started going through some of my material and uh, and it was it was just falling pretty flat. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I should have just gone back and done this to my podcast. The camera that I talk into doesn't doesn't give me any emotional response, but that's easy to deal with than, than a room full of people who you were hoping were gonna be laughing, just looking at you like, wait, what? I've I've missed I've missed something. I've missed something here. But because it was I hadn't been doing it for a while, I didn't have the composure just to take a breath. Just relax, lean into the awkwardness a little bit. I started rushing through my material. So I listened back to the tape the other day. And even the parts where people wanted to laugh, even the parts where people wanted to laugh, I, I heard a little giggle and then I was already into the next joke. So um Yeah, it was a it was an interesting experience. I went to the I went to the toilet. So I went after this set, I went around the back of this venue, stood in the toilet, there was another bloke there, and uh, he goes, mate, how you going? I go, yeah, yeah, good. He goes, hey, good work up there. 
I go, oh, thanks, man. Because the truth was, about halfway through the set, I started to win him over. I started to, well, I, this is my perspective. People in the room might have been up, mate, is that really how you saw it? But what happened, I, I felt like I won him over a little bit. I started to make a couple of riffs just on people in the room. I heard some good laughs, got a good response. I was like, hey, this is good, we're back. So I got off with a relatively high sense of confidence. Like, Tyus, you know what? For your first gig back in a couple of months, you've actually started at a pretty good place. That was fantastic. So I had that little strut. You know when you've done something well, you're happy with how it went, you go, hey, we're back. Well, I went to the back of this, this venue. This bloke who was in the audience stood there. I actually walked in with him that night. We just happened to meet each other at the gate. He goes, bro, you did well. I go, thank you. He goes, you know what I loved about it? He goes, you bombed so gracefully. Okay, <laughs> okay wait, what? I'm... I, I'm so confused, like, because he'd just given me the compliment. He'd already said, hey, mate, well done. And I thought, oh, whoa, okay, it did go better than I thought. And then he's given me the old, the little sucker punch. It was, what was good about it was you bombed gracefully, which is, which is actually a thing in the stand-up comedy scene. To be able to bomb gracefully is a real skill because there's people that you get up there and the, look, the last thing that you want to experience, both as a comedian and an audience member, is when someone's up on stage and they're bombing hard. You don't want them to get awkward about the fact that they're bombing hard. You want them to at least look relaxed in the environment that they've helped contribute to the state of. Because if at least they're relaxed and they can acknowledge that they're bombing, then we go, all right, I'll relax a little bit. This guy knows he's rubbish. Uh, so, so I don't know why I told you that part. What, what, where was I going with that? Uh, this guy told me I bombed. But Oh, yeah, bombing gracefully is a thing. Like, you can do it in style. And look, I knew I was off to a rough start. I knew I was off to a rough... No, what, you didn't need to be a genius to see it. <laughs> Everyone in the room could feel it. There's a couple of awkward laughs going on, both from the audience and from myself. But I leant into it a little bit, started bombing gracefully. Not not anything not anything I really wanted to hear. Not, I woke up the next morning and I was like, bombed gracefully. It was the first thing that came out of my mouth. But I've had a couple of experiences like that. There's been a few times in my, in my relatively short comedy career, the last three years where I've just had a set that I'd rather forget. My my favourite one was about a year ago. I was I was doing a set in in Melbourne, and uh, and I got off the stage, and and everyone in the room knew it was a tough gig. I knew especially that it didn't go the way that I wanted it to. I sat down. I sat down next to a bloke, and he goes, "Hey, mate, that one's gonna hurt in the morning." <laughs> and he was right. But what made it worse? I woke up in the morning, and uh, he goes, uh, he, he sent me a message, and he's like. How you, how you feeling, big fella? How you, how'd you pull up? And you know, like if if you if you're waking up to a message that says, "Hey, how'd you pull up?" You know, you know, you've had a rough night. For for an audience member who you would hope would forget how the experience went, to wake up and think, "Oh dear, I hope Tyce is doing okay after what he experienced last night." Uh, it was, yeah, it was. That was probably more painful. To be honest, it can't be, man. Yeah, I can't complain about a tough week. I can't. I was, I was looking through the news the other day, and my week's been fantastic. I'm complaining about the fact that some bloke said to me I bombed gracefully, and another guy messaged me and said, "Hey, Tyus, how you feeling, big fella?" But what about, what about the old? Is it Alec Baldwin? Alex Baldwin? Mate, I was reading through the news the other day. What a crazy experience that is. What's going on there? So he's on set. If you haven't heard, I'm sure you have. He was on set of of a movie in in New Mexico obviously filming a gun scene and the and the prop gun that he was given for whatever reason 
It, it wasn't a prop gun, and he's he's accidentally murdered one of the the camera women down there. You don't say murdered. Murdered sounds more like it's a deliberate act. I feel bad for the guy right now. I can't imagine what this would be like. God, like uh, uh, who did I see? Yeah, that same bloke actually, the same bloke who messaged me the other the, the day after I bombed and said, "Hey, you feeling big fella?" He um he he posted on Instagram a couple of weeks ago saying uh, uh a couple of weeks ago a couple of days ago it was a little meme that says uh you know he, Alec Baldwin's wife had work go honey Alec Baldwin just don't ask it's a it's one of those kind of situations don't how the heck does that happen like what is going on in in, in the movie industry like a, a, so my mindset when I when I hear about a prop gun I I don't know much much about the got the the gun world I don't understand completely. Like how much in common? Like, is a prop gun just supposed to be a gun without bullets? Obviously, uh, well, I was going to say obviously it would look more realistic, but it's 2021. Technology that we have these days is incredible. So the idea that you can be given a, you, that surely there should just be a, a prop gun that can't have bullets inside it. That that should surely exist. Surely there can be a prop gun that just has the capacity to make a bang sound. Uh, look really realistic. What's going on that a prop gun gets given to a bloke, a, a Hollywood actor, he pulls the trigger, bang, an actual bullet comes out, murders, uh, so I've got to stop saying murders, it's not murder just yet. But anyway, I've been thinking about this the last couple of days because it's amazing how, like from a from a, a, a an observer's point of view, it's obviously devastating, but it's you, you probably can't quite take in how serious it was for him and his family. So it's just, it's been on my mind a little bit. It's been on my mind a little bit. I can't really imagine how it would be that he's feeling. Like, how do you how do you function after something like that? I had a mate who I used to go to school with, actually. And just a few weeks ago here in Victoria, he was uh, driving around on a gator. He lived on a farm out in Gippsland. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, having a bit of fun. He had seven kids on the gator. I don't know whether he'd been drinking. I don't know the whole story, but he was flying around a paddock. I've done this a thousand times. Me and my best mate, Jocker, we go out. On, on his gator out at his property in Longford. And we fly around chasing kangaroos. And there's been a few sketchy experiences. In fact, he, Jocker, my mate, was on there with another one of my mates, Matty Williams. And they were trying to go up a hill and the things just rolled backwards. Luckily, they were all belted in. They were all set up. They were all safe. Thank God they got out of it okay. But my mate, uh, a guy I used to go to school with, Damien Gibson is his name. I was in the same classroom as him. Uh, I, went to, uh, I went to a year 10 camp with him. Lovely guy, really successful businessman down in sale in the fertilizing industry. He was racing around on a, on a farm on a gator and he had like seven little kids on board, which is obviously you look at that, you go, okay, it's not safe, but it's an easy mistake to make. It's super easy to make the mistake of just going, hey, we'll have a bit of fun with my family. I can imagine doing stuff like that. I have done stuff like that. But what they've done, he's flown through a paddock, hit a pothole, the thing's rolled and it's killed like a little, I think she was like a seven-year-old girl. And now this guy is... Uh, He's been all through the news here in, in Victoria, across Australia a little bit, and now he's facing manslaughter charges. It looks like he's probably going to cop a few years in jail, you would think. But um, it's just, I guess it's amazing how quickly your life can change. Another one of my good mates, is uh, he's, he's lucky that his life didn't change more drastically because he's been doing, I might have even spoken to you about him, he's been doing like a, an Australia-wide trip at the moment, or where you can go in Australia based on border lockouts, blah, blah, blah. But he's had a camper van. He's just moved over from Holland. What a terrible time to move from Holland to Australia, where in Holland, sure, there's a few cafes where they're going, hey, you can't come in here. But I think they had like 100,000 people at the the Formula One just a couple of weeks ago, and uh, everyone looked as though they'd just gone about life as usual. So this guy's come back from Holland. He's, he's traveling around Australia in his camper van, 
his little son Jakey. They were uh, he was he was moving his camper trailer, and his little son Jacob was Jakey was playing with the mum. All of a sudden, uh, Jolie starts the truck. Jakey sprints like far. He's about he must be three or four years old now, so he's got a bit of speed about him. But before he's known it, Jolie's bloody uh, uh, little Jakey's got stuck under the wheel of the camper truck. It's gone across his head, and uh, and I think it fractured his eye socket. But they're on relatively soft sand. But uh, but my mate, he told me about this the other day. I couldn't believe it. I could not believe just how lucky Jolie and the family were to to dodge that particular situation because it's it's just amazing how quickly life can change, isn't it? Just the it's one of those ones that you know it, you hear about these stories all the time. If it was a millimeter to the left, if it was on a slightly harder surface, things would have been radically different. But but how do you come back from that? As as Alex Bald, I, I I really should have googled his name. Is it Alec or Alex? You know the guy I'm talking about though. I'm just curious to know how you come back from that. I, I hope him and his family do well. It's obviously a dev- devastating mistake, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's it's just something that's been on my mind. I wanted to I wanted to talk to you guys about that. I wanted to hear your thoughts. I wanted to, I don't know. It's weird how little things like that just get stuck in your mind for for whatever reason. It's um, it makes what's going on here like the biggest issue in Victoria at the moment is is the fact that now like we've got to try and deal with these fake vaccine passports. <laughs> Which is a minor issue to to most of us. I mean, there's a couple of people who love the project, which oh, we're going to talk about the project in a minute because man, they're they're under a little bit of strife, I think. But the the problem in Victoria at the moment is the uh, the vaccine mandates. You got to be double jabbed to go into anywhere at the moment. But what I'm starting to find out, beautiful Melbourne, I love you so much, and I knew this would happen, or at least was praying this would happen. Every second bloke now that that well, at least every second one of my mates <laughs> might just say more about the crowd that I'm hanging out with. Everyone's like they're sending me they're sending me videos. I don't know if they're mucking around. Maybe they're actually legit. I I shouldn't say this with confidence because I really don't know. But they're sending me vaccine uh, passports or certificates to say, hey, we're actually double jabbed. But they pretend. They pretend. One of my mates the other day uh, hasn't got it. He sent me a photo of him the other night in a pub. Going, hey, having a great night. This is this is good. Now I was under the impression that he hadn't had his vaccine done. I don't think he has. This could just be speculation. I don't know 100%, but sent me a beautiful photo of him inside. I've just never been so proud of Melbourne. I've never been so proud of my city to go, just to see a few people starting to pipe up, see a few people starting to stand up, see a few people who are being told, hey, you can't participate in society at the moment, go, well, you know what, I can, because technology's never been easier to get my head around. Uh, My missus, my wife, what am I trying to say? The wife of the bloke I work with is a graphic designer, so he can design these beautifully. It's just a nice, it's a nice place to be, and I, I love a little bit that little bit of that menace. I love that um, mass or that aggressive non-compliance or aggressive compliance. Where hey, you're doing you're doing what you're being told to do. You're showing your certificate. You're saying hey, look, I'm doing the right thing, but then you're saying a little bit hey, get get stuffed because. Um, it's just disgusting that you can lock us out of this. I don't know how we don't see it more as a segregated problem. Like, did I say to you guys last week that what's interesting to me is if you replace the word anti-vaxxers with the word uh, black as a white person, all of a sudden things start to sound sketchy, doesn't it? Like, if you start saying, hey, no blacks in here, um, yeah, you can't eat here if you're black, you can't eat... Hang on a second. We've been here before, haven't we? Now, I know the argument is that We've, we've obviously got health concerns and legitimate argument. Now, I'm not saying that, I'm not even against lockouts against people who have chosen not to get the vaccine for a little while, but I just think that we need to be careful that this doesn't become some power trip where all of a sudden, if you're in a position to say, hey, you can't come in here if you don't have 
this. That can quite easily turn into some kind of power trip, can't it? Where if, uh, I don't know, it just seems like it's got the potential to, to create some attempt at, at like a lockout society. We'll see though, time will tell. Time will tell. The beauty is that so much of what we've been going through is is uh, it's been changed. Like the Victorian government will say something, then all of a sudden they go, actually something different, tricked you. And uh, the truth is they're just feeling the pressure from other states, other political parties making different decisions. Amazing how much the health advice can change overnight when the other political party says, oh, we're going to do something completely different. And the rest of Australia goes, yes. Because <laughs> no one's actually concerned about COVID cases anymore. We're not, like the COVID cases are no longer an issue. They're higher than they've ever been. But because of this vaccination rate, we're, we're, we're quietly confident that we're going to be okay. I pray we are. I hope we are. Surely we will be. I, I do believe that obviously these health officials know in some capacity what it is that they're choosing to do, despite how hesitant they've been to release their documents in this IBAC investigation that they're currently experiencing at the moment. I'm sure that some parts of that investigation will reveal that they really did know what they were doing, but I, they, they've certainly taken a more a more dictator approach to the uh, to the situation than what we would like to admit. But but so many of the news networks here don't like to admit that we like to pretend. No, no, our government's got it all under control. Ta Channel Ten is the most disgusting one. I think if I'm being honest, I've looked at what Channel Seven, seven uh, Channel Ten's doing the last few months, and I've I've given them the worst. Because they're literally just mouthpieces. They've just become puppets to what the government wants them to say. Now, I'm incredibly glad to read. Now, I heard The Project, who's on Channel 10, disgusting organization, probably lovely people. Probably lovely people. Pete Hallier seems lovely. Carrie seems lovely. I don't even mind Waleed. But it's just, you know their opinions before you say them. Like, you know when you turn on The Project, they're going to say, uh, climate change is very bad, which maybe it is. Trump is very bad. Uh, the lockdowns in Victoria are the right things to do. There's just so many things. It was these guys that made me realize that mainstream media was a little more difficult to trust in 2015 because they were taking the piss. Along, and I was listening to them. They were taking the piss out of Donald Trump in 2016 or just before when he was on his political campaign. He was on his run to try and become president. And they were laughing at him, going, hey, look, no one's rocking up to his venues. No one's supporting him. What an embarrassment. This guy's a joke, blah, blah. And then the next day I woke up and he's bloody president. I go, I remember waking up that day going, wait, how did this happen? What have I missed? Like, what, what don't I understand? Because I had taken these new network news networks so seriously for so long. Uh, Brexit was another one. Remember they said that would never happen? Surprise. And then they still get up there and speak with some form of authority against the masses who vote for these things and go, oh, no, no, you guys don't quite know what it is that you're up against. So I read 2009, apparently when they launched, I think they had like uh, 1.2 million viewers on average uh, each day. And I actually quite enjoyed them. I remember a few times sitting down in my lounge room in Ringwood in the east of Melbourne watching these guys go, oh, this is a cool concept. This is a fun way to get your news. These guys seem lovely. And then for whatever reason, in the last few years, they've just become this ridiculous mouthpiece, which podcasts have started to reveal the other side of the story, which is a beautiful thing. So now you don't just have to go to these guys and listen to what they say. You can also go to podcasts and go, ah, oh, but these guys have a completely different view. And they're also having the conversation with both sides of the argument. Why should I just believe you and the scientists that you're referring to when uh, these scientists say there's another side of the story? I'm not a scientist. I just want to try and be convinced by the best argument. But I love the project the other night because... They've come out, and hey, love her or hate her, Candace Owens is a pretty influential girl over in the United States, very conservative, black chick as well, which rubs a lot of people up the wrong way. They don't know how to take it because obviously the Democrats 
At the moment, Joe Biden's all about uh, equality between races, so there should be. But Candace Owens proclaims, no, no, we've got that equality. Anyone who says that it doesn't exist, these aren't my words in case you're getting angry. These are Candace's words. I don't know if it's true, if it's not, but she makes a good argument. She says, hey, we've got the equality. Hey, you can, we've had a black president. We've currently got a black vice president. Uh, some of the most highly paid sports people in our country are black. Now, obviously, there's so many ways that you can look at this argument. I'm only being a voice box for her right now. But... She's made an interesting case against Australia, gone, hang on a second, the way you guys seem to be approaching this uh, coronavirus situation seems quite tyrannical. There's a lot of government power being handed over. Doesn't seem to be much power given to the citizens. And she said, hey, we've got to, we've got to do something about this. And she jokingly said, when are we going to invade Australia and release them? Jokingly. You can tell listening to that. She's got a very serious approach to it. But you know, if you've listened to enough of her, you know that she's, she's having a little bit of fun. But more than that, we've got people like Joe Rogan with 200 million listeners each month going, hey, this is not right, what's going on down there? And there's so many other uh, uh, independent podcasters who are saying the same kind of things. Well, Dickhead Project has come on and they've tried to do some quirky, clever counterattack to Candace Owens going, hey, thank you so much for your concern. We'll be fine. But all they did, they took the piss out of her clothing. They took the piss out of her camera angles. They took the piss out of her shows. They they stereotyped what she represents just to try and make their point look more valid. But what you always notice, or what I've started to notice on a big degree, they've got nothing to say about her arguments. There was no point, at no point in their little breakdown of Candace Owens and her bullcrap ideas, at no point did they touch her idea. <laughs> That's what I do. Whenever Jesse and I get into an argument and I know that she's right and there's no way out, I start bagging her about her look. I start saying, your hair looks ridiculous. You should get out of Hey, what? The dishes are dirty in the kitchen, bitch. <laughs> That's not true. I'd never say that to my wife. I do say it, but I'm not going to tell you that openly because you'll, you'll start questioning me because, um, you know, it, it's... It's not a good way to speak to someone you love. I, I admit that. I shouldn't do it. Maybe I've got something to work on. But it is interesting, isn't it, that when you start to get challenged on something and you don't know what to say against the idea, just target the person. Start calling him a racist. huh? Start calling him a white su supremacist. You see this on The View. I, I don't know why I do this to myself sometimes. but So if you, like, if you want to be triggered, maybe it won't trigger you. Maybe you'll actually enjoy it. Maybe you're the small minority of people who actually switch this stuff on and go, hey, it's actually quite interesting. I really like what these women are bringing to the table. Go and watch The View. Go and watch The View attempt to debunk Joe Rogan. So Joe Rogan, I'm sure you've heard now, he had a CNN medical doctor. Isn't that all doctors are? I was going to say all doctors are medical doctors. Is that true? No, it's not true. I'm pretty sure there was a pastor at the church I used to go to and he had a... Yeah, like you got to call him doctor because he's that far into his study. So anyway, he was a he was a doctor. Sanjay Gupta went on Joe Rogan, created a whole heap of controversy in the news networks. Truth was, I listened to the whole three-hour podcast. Beautiful conversation. Two blokes respectfully having a conversation about two completely different sides of, um, uh, of the way that we view vaccines and the importance. Joe was obviously saying, hey, you know what? I don't believe they're for everyone. Sanjay Gupta goes, why not everyone get one? But it was a beautiful conversation where they were respectful. Um, they spoke about each other's ideas. They left. It sounded like they left on a hug. I thought, hey, this is, this is probably the best conversation I've heard. But then you see CNN. Then you see The View. Now, these bloody View, like they're absolute. There's no other word. They're wankers. I, I watched a clip on YouTube the other day, and you got some old chick, most arrogant chick I've ever seen. I don't even know her name. She clearly hasn't watched the interview. She clearly has got an agenda. She clearly doesn't know Joe Rogan. Uh, she started going on about how the fact he's, a, he's, he's made transphobic comments. He's, oh, he's transphobic. He's racist. He's sexist. 
And like, you know, as someone who's listened to Joe Rogan for the last, I was about to call him Joe, first name basis is where I feel I'm at. You know that he would listen to this and he'd be like, oh, that's ridiculous. And he would happily speak to these guys. He'd break down the, their ideas or he would at least, uh, he would address the ideas that they're bringing to the table. If they called him a sexist, he would ask why. But these guys, they have the audacity to go, no, no, he's a sexist and he's a racist because I say so. But there's one chick on The View, it blew my mind. At the end of the conversation, they were bagging Joe. They were criticizing the fact that he didn't have this view that mainstream media has against uh, or about this vaccine. And she goes, you know what? I'm not so interested in talking about uh, an anti-vax mindset or trying to understand their point of view. Just like I'm not interested in understanding the Trump mindset or their point of view. Because I'm not interested in understanding crazy. And I go, like, do, do these people not see the hypocrisy of their own statement? Like, she's just had a go at uh, this guy for being sexist and racist, misogynist, whatever it is that they claim that he is. And then she's come out and made a generalized comment like that. Again, I say, hey, fill the word Trump or anti-vaxxer with the word black. And all of a sudden, those comments start to look ridiculous. If you start saying, I'm not really interested in understanding a black mindset, I'm not interested in understanding a black mindset, things start to look a little bit sketchy for, for, for so many things. However, when it comes to these people making their points, they're, they're so comfortable to address it. They're so comfortable to chuck out generalized statements like that. So uh, I, I've been a little bit frustrated. I immediately start getting skeptical now when I start hearing people talk about, like whenever I hear someone talk about... Uh, a person rather than the idea. I go, all right, all right, how much is this person bringing to the table? Now, no offense to, to the people on the project. I bet they're lovely. I bet they're lovely when they're not on camera. Truth is, it was quite obvious. They probably hadn't watched the full interview. They've probably been told plenty of things about Candace Owens. They've probably been told plenty of things about Joe Rogan. They've probably been told plenty of things by, you know, the doctors that they're getting their medical advice from. So they go into this with confidence, like they don't need to understand the other side of the story, but they don't realize how ridiculous they look, I don't think. I don't think they really, uh, really realize just what it is that they're doing. I don't know, do you guys notice that? It's really hit home for me because I've realized how often I do it. When, whenever I'm in a sticky situation, I start going, oh, all right, I'm just going to bag the person. <laughs> the project should be taken seriously. That shouldn't be taken seriously. I've heard recently they've pro... I, I don't know if this is a legitimate uh, source to, to take this information from. Apparently, their ratings have dropped down to about... Um, I think they had like 260,000 last Monday night, which from 1.2 million in the first couple of weeks is, that's a significant drop. But I think the reason is, once you start to get so many independent news sources giving you more informed advice and a far more honest conversation, how long does it take before people start to really, uh, you know, just disregard what they have to say? Because the truth is, I don't know, I'm 34 years old. I don't feel like there's many people my age who genuinely take the news seriously anymore. I think we're probably that generation where surely the news, like the news stations as we know them are on their last legs because you can't just pretend that something's real and not get called out for it. So what I loved about this view video was it had 1,000 likes and I think it had 23, no, no, it had 1,000 likes and 13,000 dislikes. And whenever I see the ratio of like to dislike on a, on a video like that, it just does something to my heart to go, hey, you know what? People are amazing. We're not as dumb as we're being told we are. This is fantastic. So I, I also don't know, like, as I said, I'm 34. I don't think anyone who's younger than me would really take the news seriously anymore, do they? Because 
like they've just grown up in this podcast world. They've grown up in a world of, of the internet. And it doesn't take you long to find out that there's a lot of bullshit going around. Like, how good did you guys see that Let's Go Brandon meme trending just all over the world the last couple of weeks? I only clicked to it this week. But so in case you don't know, sports events all over America have just broken out in spontaneous, spontaneous chance of, of fuck Joe Biden. Like, it's just a chant all across the stadium, fuck Joe Biden. Now, depending on your political stance, that's, that's, that can be a little bit concerning. I mean, it's, it's not nice. If, if that was me, I wouldn't want to be spoken about like that. Love me or hate me. Obviously, he, he represents the man. He is the president of the United States. It's, it's not something I'm a real ambassador for. I don't like speaking about people that way. But it's interesting that there's this, there's this general vibe across America at the moment in so many instances, especially we see at these sporting events where people just break out into these spontaneous chants of F Joe Biden. Like he's obviously rubbing a lot of people up the wrong way. And it doesn't help that we've seen him just lie through his teeth from, you know, the political debates with Donald Trump. I'm not saying the other side of the fence aren't equal, but I'm just saying this guy seems to be putting up a big fight and somehow the media just love him. So people are starting to become privy to the fact that he's putting out this bull crap. He's not actually living up to what it is that he told us he was going to do. Even Saturday Night Live the other day did a skit about him, which we're going to talk about in just a moment. I won't, I've got to stay focused on the point I'm trying to make. Anyway, uh, there was a, a it, I want to say Talladega Nights. It was that's a movie. Okay, so the actual car race. I think it's just called Talladega. Don't know much about the car racing circuit, but there was some bloke being interviewed by the NBC, and the female reporter was interviewing him when all of a sudden behind him the audience started breaking out in "fuck Joe Biden, fuck Joe Biden," and. Uh, now, NBC apparently has the reputation in the States for being very pro-Biden. No matter what he does, no matter what he says, hey, we're his biggest fan, we're going to support him. So whether or not it was deliberate or whether it was just some real quick thinking on behalf of the reporter, she heard this audience chanting F. Joe Biden, but she's turned it into, hey, yeah, you can hear the audience getting right behind you. Now it's let's go, Brayden. So she goes, oh, yeah, the audience, the crowd loves you. Let's go, Brayden. Let's go, Brandon. Sorry, let's go, Brandon. And... Anyone who now I watched it and I thought my genuine take on that was I I got the vibe that this reporter unless she's a bloody good actor and she's and she's just been able to think on the fly she's managed to twist it so quickly to hear let's go Brandon that it became I actually believed it I thought no no I genuinely think that's what she's doing but now there's this meme or oh, that's sorry I speak so fast sometimes that my my have you noticed this that my mind's already on my next thought and I haven't finished my last sentence. Forgive me. What I was trying to say was, this reporter has heard the fuck Joe Biden chant. She's interviewing Brandon and she's twisted that to mean, let's go Brandon. Now, as a result of that, we've seen all these let's go Brandon memes all across the United States. It's all across Twitter. It's all across Instagram. It's all across YouTube. And it's a beautiful thing to watch. There's something so powerful about seeing people take the piss out of the big guy, seeing people take the piss out of uh, what we've been told is the right thing for so long. So if you're listening to this and you've been afraid to share your views openly, hey, cop a little bit of criticism for your views because it's either if you're open to it, it's either going to refine your views or it's going to change your views if you're humble enough to accept it. So you need to be a few steps ahead of me at the moment. I'm just learning that sometimes the best step is to change your views. I just start fighting and go, don't get stuffed up right. Because <laughs> I don't want to be proved wrong. Anyway, that's been my little takeaway. But what has been interesting to see as well is I wonder how much 
the mainstream media, I say that in inverted commas, I say mainstream as in it's on the mainstream channels. You know what I mean when I say it. The truth is so many uh, independent podcasts now have more downloads, more viewers than what any of these mainstream uh, uh, platforms have. So it's, it, it, feels, it feels kind of hypocritical to talk about them as, as mainstream anymore. However, Saturday Night Live, very mainstream, very... I'll put them in the same category as as the project here in Australia. It's very, hey, we hate Trump, we're pro-climate change, and we love Joe Biden. Anyone who disagrees with us is wrong, blah, 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 blah. Um, just the other night, they started taking the piss out of Joe Biden. And, and this is interesting to see. It seems like there's a slight change in the climate of the culture of, of, of I want to say the Western world because I wanted to say America, but the truth is here in Australia, I think we're only a couple of steps behind. A lot of what bothers you in America bothers us here in Australia. I think you guys are a little bit more confident to take a stance for your freedom because you know what it's like. You value it. Here in Australia, eh, we've never really had anything to challenge. We've never really had anything to stand up for. So as a result, we're just like, ah, you know what, things will get back to normal. We don't take any threat of like a dictatorship or a tyrannical government too seriously, which is starting to change. But what I love about what I'm seeing in America, what I love about what I'm seeing on Saturday Night Live is when these mainstream outlets start to stick it to the men that they've been standing up for for so long, you think, all right, well, something is definitely changing in the culture. Because the truth is, we as the audience know what we believe. And if the mass of a population start to think one thing, and all of a sudden these Saturday Night Live or these mainstream news outlets are starting to say another all of a sudden, they start to seem like the ridiculous ones. Like, all you have to do is go to CNN. All you have to do is go to The View, go to Channel 7, go to Channel 9, go to The Project. Have a look at the like to dislike ratios on these videos. Same is true for a lot of what's happening on Fox in the United States. And have a look at the like to dislike ratio. You get a bit of a vibe for the, the feeling that there is in the culture. So many of these videos, these CNN videos, have 1,000 likes, 25,000 dislikes, 5,000 likes, 31,000 dislikes. Now, I'm not sure whether YouTube's a little bit flexible and they, they can a, a adjust. Of course, they can adjust. I'm not sure how often they do it. But uh, that gives me a lot of confidence. But then the flip side's also true. Go have a look at Joe Rogan's videos. Go have a look at some of the clips that he posts on YouTube. All of a sudden, you start to notice that the people who are disliking the CNN ones are also liking what Joe Rogan has to say. So you can you can clearly see that there's a little bit of a tug of war going on between these two worlds at the moment. It would be difficult as a news outlet as well. You've owned the space in the media for the last fifty years, last sixty years. So to have these people who have uh, they have no advertising budget, they don't need to be paying staff, they don't need to be uh, uh, promulgating some ridiculous agenda that they've just been. Uh, paid to become puppets of, they can say what they want if they have the balls to say it. Obviously, the pressure of the public can change that if they're not careful, but it's not hard to see. Even Kevin Hart's podcast, like you can see the, you can see how much uh, people who are affiliated with worlds like Hollywood and just that mass mainstream media struggle to speak clearly about what they believe. I often listen to Kevin Hart's podcast, and it's a great podcast, Comedy Goldmines, recommend it for any comedian out there. But the problem with it is, because he's so tightly affiliated with Hollywood, or well, yeah, it is Hollywood, and also these mainstream media outlets, he's constantly apologizing for what he's saying. He'll say something which is so innocent, and he'll immediately let out an apology to the audience. Hey, sorry, we're saying this. This is how some people... And it's, it's hard to listen to. It's like, bro, grow some balls. Grow some balls. Speak openly. It is hard to cop the criticism, though. I hear Jordan Peterson talk about it. He goes, hey, the criticism that I've copped over the last few years... 
Uh, it's hard for, I know what it's like when someone challenges something I say on a Facebook status. I go, oh, I hope they still like me. I hope we're still friends. It's difficult. Imagine being at the middle of, a, you know, a firestorm of public outrage. I guess I can understand how it would be hard to, to stand true to what it is that you believe. But man, if you've got the courage to do it, if you've got the backbone to do it, I think it's, I think it's pretty powerful. Because I, I, I personally think, like, surely this is true. If more people started speaking openly about the things that I believed, I would obviously have more confidence to be, speak about those things openly. But it has to be the front runners. It has to be the people at the lead of a society with the confidence to go, I don't care about the public opinion. I'm going to say what I think. Uh, and all of a sudden, people start going, oh, me too. Like, did you see, this is what I love. Did you see Novak Djokovic? So this is news here in Australia at the moment. Uh, Novak Djokovic, and he's, I think he's a, Novak's a Serbian. I'm pretty sure Medvedev, I can't remember his first name, Medvedev, uh, and Novak played in the Australian Open final, I'm pretty sure, against each other just last year. I think they're both Serbian and both keeping their vaccination status to themselves. Interesting thing is, Australia's just said, hey, you want to come into our country, you've got to be double vaccinated and we have to know, all right? You have to tell us whether or not you're double vaccinated. And these people go, oh, actually, you know what? Get stuff. This is my private medical information. So uh, so now all of a sudden, the two... Uh, Two of the greatest athletes in their sport, two of the fittest, two of the healthiest. I've just been listening to an amazing podcast with Novak Djokovic. Let me see if I can find it for you while I talk to you. Novak is, he's a, I think he's a vegan. He's hes obviously so into his fitness. He's obviously incredibly fit. Uh, let me just, I'm just looking through my phone right now. A mate sent it to me yesterday, Pauly. Here we go. If you want to check it out, it's called The Focus and Mindset It Takes to Become Number One On and Off the Court. And the podcast is called, wait with me, wait with me. The podcast is called, more episodes, oh, Wake the Fake Up with Novak Djokovic. So it's an hour and a half conversation where you get a little bit of an insight into the the, the passion that Novak has for his health, for his health and fitness from uh, from his flexibility routine to his cardio routine to his diet to his recovery to his mindset to his family this guy has what is called like that classic holistic approach to health and well-being he's not just looking at his body he's looking at his mind he's looking at his spiritual life and it's very clear that he's vest invested a lot of time so this guy is and this is no this is no problem like i'm not saying he's not vaccinated and it's no slight against anyone who has had the vaccination because um, like the, the healthiest option for you might have been, hey, you know what, I believe that this is the healthiest option for my family, for my own immune system. This guy believes that the healthiest option for himself is, hey, I'm going to have a real holistic view on all of these things and we'll just see how that pans out. It doesn't take long to see that this kind of bloke would be very hesitant to get a vaccine. I don't know if he's had it or not. I'm guessing no. That's my prediction. The reason I'm guessing no is because I think he's so cautious about what goes into his body that the idea that a vaccine's in a trial phase uh, is not something that he's uh, he's willing to put himself through, especially when we see the fall off rates, like uh, the fall off rates with the protection of some of these vaccines. We'll get to that in a second. But Novak Djokovic is gone. All right, well, here's my stance. And all of a sudden, hey, when the world number one starts to speak out openly about stuff like that, how much confidence does that give? Does that give to the rest of the 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 tennis world to speak up openly? I hope, it's my little prayer, that those people in the tennis world who don't like the stance that the Australian government's taking, or more specifically, the Victorian government's taking in regards to them being able to come over, they should start saying, well, we're not coming over. Because if the world number one, two, three, four, five, or a few of the top 10 start to go, all right, well, we're not going to participate. All of a sudden, we know money speaks. 
all of a sudden, uh, uh, Tennis Australia is not going to take as much money because obviously the viewership is going to be down. If you haven't got Novak Djokovic playing, chances are I don't care because the quality of the tennis competition starts to diminish as you get down to like the 30th to 50th in the world. So if we're starting to watch a, a you know, a, a, you know, 45th ranked play, 53rd ranked in the world, still fantastic tennis players, but you know they're not the Novaks just yet. Maybe they're on the way to that, but they're not the Novaks just yet. So if Tennis Australia suffers because of advertising, all of a sudden money starts to suffer. The tourism for Victoria starts to suffer. The amount of people who are going to this Australian Open and giving money to this organization starts to suffer. All of a sudden, that's where we start to see uh, governments change their mind, and it can happen so quickly because essentially we're just we're doing like a we're doing like is it a Mexican standoff? Are you still allowed to say that? We're doing a little standoff where we're just going to stand there and see who budges first. I think that the Victorian government budgets first. I already read this morning that, no, no, okay, they're actually, I don't know if this is a recent change or whether this has always been their attitude. They're saying, no, you can come into the country if you're not double vaccinated, but you just have to hotel quarantine for two weeks. Now, I'm fine with that, but I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's just, I get frustrated. Last year, I was frustrated that they were letting this competition go ahead because everything else seemed to be cancelled. Now, all of a sudden, we're seeing, okay, well, the unvaccinated can come in because uh, they're the best in the world. There just needs to be a little bit more consistency. I think the politicians need to be held at the same accountability standard or that same level of accountability as what the rest of a population does. I think sports stars should be as well. But I also like that the sports stars are starting to give it back a little bit. I like that they're starting to show a little bit of swagger, starting to show up for themselves. Um, also be interested here in the AFL. I'll be so pumped to find out how much uh, how much attention this gets. Because, so he, I was talking to a mate the other day. Apparently, I think this is right. Apparently the AFL now have until May for all players to be double vaccinated. Now, that's a very long time away. It's currently October. That's about six months away until AFL players need to have had their second jab. That suggests to me that a great deal of these AFL players haven't quite been double vaxxed. As much as... The bloody, uh, as much as these players feel the need to jump on the bandwagon of, of whatever the government's saying and use their platform to promote this idea, which I'm fine with if you want to do. Uh, if you want to promote it, you're fine to do it. But just don't expect the people to listen to you. You're a footballer, all right? You know as much about the jab as what I do, assuming you've researched it. As far as I know, you could just be a mouthpiece for whatever your club's telling you to write, though. So I'm going to do my own research. Thanks very much. But you've got the right to post your own opinions. But... I'm starting to think that based on the fact that the AFL has said, hey, you've got until April or May to get this double jab, there's got to be a lot of players who don't have it. And if there's a lot of players who don't have it, and there's a lot of people who are happy to stand firm and go, you know what, all right, well, I won't play if I can't play unvaccinated. All of a sudden, the quality starts to drop off, the team starts to drop off. Now, the viewership starts to drop off. Part of what I love about watching uh, Richmond here in Australia, or here in Victoria play for is because Dusty's a gun. If Dusty didn't get it and he can't play, I'm less inclined to go and watch that footy because uh, Dusty's half the reason I watch Richmond play. Same is true for Sam Walsh with Carlton, my team. If old, if old Walshy doesn't get it, all right, and he's not playing, well, Carlton are going to be uh, highly disadvantaged because of the fact he hasn't got it, and I'm going to be less likely to watch it. Let's just watch how this plays out. I think it'll be very interesting. What gives me hope, though, I think the AFL are going to be pretty privy to what the rules are. They're going to be given a heads up on what the Victorian government's thinking. So there's two sides of this argument. I'm thinking either, all right, Victorian government is going to really drag out this vaccine mandate for as long as they possibly can. And as a result, the footballers are thinking, okay, well, we're going to give them till this date then because that's where it's going to drag out to. 
Or the flip side of that I was thinking is maybe we know these vax mandates, this real hardcore line approach of vax mandates is going to start to drop off in the next three months. And because there's so many AFL players who don't want to get it, there's going to be a lot of these players who are let off the hook as a result of not wanting to get it. Because all of a sudden, if this mandate doesn't exist anymore and these guys can just sit back, relax, not worry about it, well, they're free to they're, they're free to play. They don't have to worry about it anymore. So it's going to be very interesting. The next few months, I know how quickly things can change as well, which excites me. I get very excited to see the changes happening. And uh, hey, as I said, it can happen at the drop of a hat. So yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be very interesting. Been a very political chat today, hasn't it? I've spoken about Joe Biden. I haven't even spoken about his um, his interview with CNN at Town Hall just over the weekend. That was an interesting one to watch because there gets to a point there gets to a point where you can't just be the new guy. You can't just be the not, I'm not Trump anymore because obviously in the states there seemed to be a massive hatred for Trump and everything he stood for in the lead up to the last election and. And it seems, from my point of view, it seems that anyone who wasn't Trump was going to, assuming the assuming the elections were, were legit and not rigged, even though Joe Biden himself, on YouTube, the video still exists of him saying we're running the most fraudulent campaign in the history of the United States, even though he said that and no one talks about it, assuming the election was legit and not fraudulent. Which I think there's a good argument for it being. I'm pretty sure some states have now realized that, okay, we've done the recount and things weren't exactly what we thought, but can't really do that because it's going to bring our democracy under threat and people aren't going to trust it as much as what they used to. But you can only be you can only be the new kid on the block for so long before people start to ask questions. And as I said, Saturday Night Live have started to ask questions. Anyone with a brain started to ask questions. I jump onto YouTube and have a look at some of some of his little gaffes. Now, granted, this guy's been a gaffer since as long as we can remember. There's a great clip on YouTube of, of uh, Robbie Williams giving him shit in 2009, talking about how he's Mr. Stutter, he can't get a word out, talking about how even people with Tourette's are giving him a hard time because he can't quite get his words out. Now, there's a little bit of that. The poor bloke, though, I think it's mixed in with a, a real rapid mental decline. He seems to be like if that was my granddad. Now, my granddad is actually going through a similar thing where he says some things or he starts to go on a rant. I'm like, hey, hey Pop, I've, I've lost you. Where, how did we get here? Where are we at? And it's a little bit sad. It's like, but you can't say that because you don't want him to. You don't want him to know that he's losing it. Now, uh, but this guy's—he's the president. We voted him in. Well, we didn't. I had nothing to do with it. It's not my country. You guys voted him in, which is fine. But he can't. He can't seem to hold a thought for more than five minutes before he starts asking about where he's at or, or what he's doing. I'm. I'm quietly. I'm quietly disgusted with Joe Biden's wife that he's allowing this to take place. Now, I get it. The swagger to have your husband as president is a pretty cool thing. To be first lady must be an amazing experience. But surely, surely you've got to look after your husband's health before you look after your own swagger. Now, if my wife was president and I was I was first lady, <laughs> what's it called? And I was the uh, I was a supporter. I, I don't know what it's called. First man, maybe. I would hope that I would have the capacity to go, babe, you, you're losing it a little bit. You don't quite have what it takes. To, to do this gig effectively. I think it's time to step down and focus on family. Hey, just focus on just chilling out. You've had a long career. You've had a successful career. You've been in this industry for 40 years. You've made some questionable decisions. You've made some good decisions, but you've done you've done the best. You came here with pure intentions, I'm quite sure, we think. But now it's time to hang up the political hat 
and focus on other passions. Th that's what we should be doing. But this, this poor bastard, I think he's, he's got to have dementia, doesn't he? Surely he's got dementia. There's something not right. And I feel, I feel bad for him. But you watch this and he's just he's muttering and stumbling and there's, there's a lot of bait there. Like if Trump, if Trump decides to get back on this political campaign, there's just so much bait there. But obviously he doesn't have his platform, Trump, anymore. He, he, Truth Social is about to launch, though, I've heard. It's about to launch in the next couple of weeks, I'm pretty sure. So Truth Social, if you haven't heard, it's Donald Trump's answer to Twitter, to Facebook. So these organizations have gone, all right, well, you're banned. You can't come on here anymore. Now, it's going to be really interesting to see how much it takes off because I'm sure these guys, we know they've got a lot of the monopoly when it comes to their internet territory. I'm sure they've got the ability to, I don't understand coding very well. I shouldn't speak about technology and these big giant's uh, ability to manipulate what he can and can't do. But you'd think they would have some say in how successful his company is. And based on the fact it's gonna be complete or uh, direct opposition to what it is that they're bringing to the table, you're gonna assume that they're not gonna help him too much. But I'm excited to see what happens with this. I'm excited to see, it's, it's been some big news. So watch this space. Old Trump social, maybe if he can get a big enough following there, assuming these elections are legit, He's going to be able to get a little bit of swagger back. He's going to be able to win some people back. I don't know. I don't reckon Biden's doing a great job. Anyway, Facebook, things at Facebook, before we go, things at Facebook has changed as well. Apparently, it's October the 25th today. October 28th, I think there's a there's a massive conference happening in the United States where Facebook, I think they're about to ch uh, announce a name, a name change. I don't know what they're changing their name to, but there's a lot of talk about this. They're, they're trying to come up. They want to be a megaverse or a multiverse, or I think it's something to do with... Um, Virtual reality. So I, I have no idea. I've literally read the first sentence of a Verge article which talks about this. And I, I don't know, it sounds very interesting. So I'll be really interested to see what Facebook looks like. I'm really spewing. I've given myself a 12-month ban right now because I would love to take part in the first couple of weeks of trying this out. It's going to be really interesting to see what happened. Dropped 5% last night on the stock exchange though, which is interesting. 5% is a significant drop. I think it dropped uh, maybe... Was it 5%? I think it dropped $17 a share overnight. I think I'm not making that up. All, all because some dodgy documents have been released about how they've been pretty much fueling the fire of some people's political stance. It had something to do with fueling the, the motivation of these Capitol Hill riots that took place in America not too long ago. Uh, they're in a little bit of strife, I think. It's going to be really interesting to watch what happens with the, with the Facebook shares the next couple of weeks. Fair enough. They they dropped three dollars. Uh, they dropped three percent just a couple of weeks ago. Bounced back pretty quickly. So, uh, granted, I reckon uh, they're going to have the ability to sweep this under the rug. I would, if I was a betting man, which I am, I would bet that they're going to bounce back up. I, I'm going to. Here's my prediction. Monday today, I reckon it's going to drop down another few percent towards the end of this week. And then I've got no money on this, so I'm just speaking freely. Don't take this as financial advice. It's not. I do not know what I'm talking about. But I reckon we're going to see it come back to about level in the next couple of weeks because there's always these little ebbs and flows in the stock market and uh, what share prices are doing based on news. I found that out the hard way a couple of times. But um, yeah, here's my prediction. I reckon they're going to. I reckon they're going to bounce back. But they're in. They're, just watch it. They're in. They're in a pickle a little bit. I'm so glad to see it. I want to see these guys eat shit a bit because they're just such a dodgy organization. You know. 
that the human heart says, when money's on the line, when power's on the line, I'm going to cut corners. I Unfortunately, I still notice this in my own life. I'll tell a couple of little white lies to get my own way here and there, and then I look at these guys and have the audacity to question the way they do business. I'm so glad I'm not Mark Zuckerberg because the chance, I probably would be an evil dictator if that was me in his position right now. So credit to you. If you're not a lizard, you're a human being, you've had the capacity to be able to maintain this power, this money reasonably well to this point, good on you. But I'm starting to hear a few rumors that what Facebook stands for is getting a little bit questionable. So I think, hey, maybe... Maybe clean it up a bit if you can. And Money Talks. This has been the, hey, that's going to be the name of this podcast. Money Talks, doesn't it? Money Talks. If money starts to go in different directions, all of a sudden the direction of these businesses start to change. And that is an exciting epiphany to end this podcast on. So, hey, that was a good rant. I hope you enjoyed uh, spending time with me. I enjoy spending time with you, even though I don't get to see your reactions. Someone at Comedy the other night said, oh, I love your uh, your podcast. It's so controversial. I was like, really? Shit. <laughs> no one's arguing back. Feel free. Feel free to call me out on my dumb ideas. I need you to. All right? I need you to iron out some of the ridiculous ideas that I have. So please help me iron them out because I need your help. There's so many ideas that I have which are preposterous that I think are fantastic. So please argue back. I need you to. It's for my own good. Much love to you. Have a good rest of your week. Watch Facebook. Don't forget, Money Talks next Monday. I'll see you all here again. All right, peace.